0: Welcome to Horsepower to Hyperloops, Kettering University's official podcast, where we serve up a smorgasbord of fascinating people, groundbreaking ideas, and noteworthy advancements in fields as diverse as mobility, healthcare, engineering, and technology.
1: A friend of mine once said to me, We all have three things to give. We have our time, We have our talent, and we have our treasure. And so you have to look at yourself, look at where you are, and then determine what can I give. If you can't give your time, because you you just have too much going on, then give of your treasure. And that means you can write a check to support an activity.
0: Well, today we're talking on uh, Horsepower to Hyperloops with uh, Sam Wells, who's the Global Sales Director of Intiva Products. We're calling this section Making a Difference because while Sam's had a terrific career in uh, sales and marketing, and we're going to talk a little bit about that with a couple of different companies, Sam has really spent his life making a difference, specifically. In a couple of hundred, two, three hundred kids in the Flint area who he's helped mentor and uh, support and who have gone on to college, he has been involved in a variety of organizations, which we are going to discuss. He's been a leader in those, a founder in some, and it's been an extraordinary uh, contribution to uh, the community, to society, to a lot of kids. So, again, Sam, welcome. Thanks for joining us on Horsepower to Hyperloops.
1: And thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: First of all, let's provide a little professional context. You began your career at GM, moved to Delphi, and you're now at Intiva, which provides various components and systems to the automotive industry. What are your responsibilities as Global Director of Sales at Intiva?
1: I have responsibility for all the electric vehicle manufacturers in North America, as well as commercial truck manufacturers in North America. And then I support activities with the German and Japanese OEMs that operate uh, in the Americas. And so it's kind of a, a broad span of responsibility.
0: That's a pretty big job. And yet, for the past 25 years, you've devoted countless hours to many service organizations. A great deal of your energy has gone into Alpha Phi Alpha, and Alpha Esquires in Flint. Tell me about those two organizations.
1: Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity is the oldest black Greek letter organization. Uh, It was founded on the campus of Cornell University in 1906. And it was really founded kind of with the same basic principle. You had men of color on that campus struggling to survive and they saw the white fraternal system And they said, we need to have something similar so that we can help and support one another. And so uh, the organization was founded, and it was really founded on the principle of brotherhood, manly deed and scholarship. And so the organization has been in existence for 115, 16 years, uh, providing support and advocacy for our community. In the Flint community, and for those who are familiar with Flint, Flint has always been an automotive town. Uh, when I graduated from high school, it was you could graduate on Wednesday and start working at a GM facility on Monday. GM was a, the, the predominant uh, manufacturer in the area, the predominant job provider. It provided a stable middle class living and so it was a a very easy proposition to graduate from high school and start working for General Motors and that's what you would do. A couple of gentlemen that are members of fraternity, Robert Matthews and Omar Sims, saw the change that was taking as GM started leaving the city and they saw that quickly shift from a manufacturing uh, environment to one that would be service oriented, medically based, but the manufacturing opportunities were going to be gone. And so they saw a need to provide an outlet for young men to prepare them for an environment of non-manufacturing, if you will. You're not gonna have the opportunity to graduate and go to work for GM. So we want to make sure that these young men are properly prepared for and exposed to uh, what other opportunities are out there in life. My son who was uh, attending Carmen Ainsworth Junior High School was invited to, to be a part of this program as it was starting. Uh, one of the teachers who was a member of Alpha Phi fraternity extended the invitation to my son and I went with him and immediately uh, got engaged because I saw what the mission was what the direction was. And it's like, I have to be a part of this to help drive it because I know the importance and the value. And that was 24 years ago. And we've been actively doing it uh, ever since.
0: Elaborate on that a little bit. I think actively doing it had to involve Alpha Esquire in Flint. Am, am I not correct?
1: Yes. And when I say actively doing it, that the, the Esquire program is 24 years old. We started it 24 years ago with a focus on preparing young men of color for life after high school and with a major focus on pursuing higher education, but not being the end goal. We wanted to expose them to opportunities and to prepare them to put them in a position to understand that I do have options and what are these options and so we started that program like i said 24 years ago base focus was education it was to make sure that we were providing the right level of support to get them through high school to graduate and to expose them to higher education opportunities but also things like skilled trades becoming an electrician becoming a pipe setter making sure that they understood what the options were for them
0: so Break that down for me, how that actually happens. If I'm a young man in Flint, what do I experience? What do you do on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis to help make this happen?
1: Okay. I will tell you that the program has evolved with time. So I'll talk about the things that we do. You understand that that has been an, an evolution because we've evolved as we've seen the needs of the young men evolve. We have a program that is truly committed to supporting the growth of young men of color. There are a number of components to the program. I spoke about the educational piece. We have what we call the the study roundtable. Every Monday we meet with our young men. We have a very uh, strong partnership with Mott Community College and prior to the pandemic, we were meeting at one of their facilities we would meet every Monday. Young men are required to bring uh, their homework, the things that they're working on in school to bring it with them. And during that study session, we assist them. We assist them with uh, the, the work that they're doing, but we also teach them how to work with one another. So if we have a young man who's in the 10th grade and he's doing chemistry, and we have a young man that's in the 12th grade who had that chemistry class previously, we kind of pair them up so that They understand how to work with one another and begin to build networks and share information. We also have members of the fraternity who are in college, attending U of M Flint, uh, Mott Community College, or Kettering. They will be a part of that study session and they're there to also help the young men. So we have a study session every Monday through the academic school year. In addition to helping them with their schoolwork, we monitor their grade and their performance. We have a model that we don't accept C's because C's are average and there's none of you that are average. And so we take a young man wherever they are at life. And so if if we get them and they have a 1.1 GPA, the expectation is that every semester that GPA will go up. And it's our job to bring the resources to bear and the support necessary to help you bring that GPA up. And we celebrate. When we look at grades, we will look at them and we'll, we'll make comments. We'll say, John Doe got a GPA up two points or you know, a half a point or whatever. And we applaud and we celebrate. We make them feel good about their accomplishments. We celebrate those accomplishments. We're accustomed to celebrating sporting events and sporting accomplishments we focus on celebrating academic accomplishments. That's kind of our academic piece, if you will. We supplement that with an annual college trip. We started this probably 20 years, so four years into the program, we started taking the young men to an historically black college or university for a weekend. We wanted to expose them to higher education We wanted to take them into an environment where they would see people who look just like them. So they would uh, be encouraged, if you will, that, hey, that guy wears his hair just like me. He looks just like me. And he's on this campus and he's been successful. We give them an opportunity to talk to the students on the campus, as well as talk to the administrators. And we generally do it during a homecoming weekend so they can see some of the activities that take place. And it's all designed as a motivator so that they think beyond what they've been accustomed to thinking about. And so that's part of our educational curriculum is to get them on those campuses. And I will tell you, every campus that we have visited, we subsequently have had young men attend those schools, graduate and move on into careers in life. And, And we've gone to the Howard Universities and Morgan States and Morehouse and We've been driven all the way to Louisiana to go to Grambling State University. So that shows, one, our commitment to these young men by making these type of trips and making the investment. We have raised money to support those trips so that the financial burden is always on the family. So we try to support that. So that kind of talks about our educational curriculum. But we saw a need to go beyond that. As a fraternity, we're active in our community, so we make our young men be active in the community. So we look for community service projects for them to do. And and we have them involved in community service projects on a monthly basis. And it's everything from cleanup projects in their local community, which they did two weekends ago in the uh, Flint Township area. It was a Saturday morning, and they were out picking up litter and trash along couple of major streets in the area. They participated in, in food distribution. And at the onset of the water crisis in Flint, every weekend for probably a year to a year and a half, they were at a water distribution site, loading water in the residents' cars. And so we teach them that they're part of a bigger system, a bigger society, and they have to be a contributor to make a difference, and you can do that even as a teenager. And so community service is a very important part of our program. We have also added bi-monthly workshops targeted at helping them with issues as well as providing them information. These workshops are generally held twice a month on a Saturday, and they cover the gamut. We started with, you know, a Dress for Success workshop, teaching young men how to be prepared for a job interview. So making sure they knew how to tie a tie, tie a bow tie, you know, how to make sure if you're wearing a dress shirt that you wear a full T-shirt under it, not a tank top type of T-shirt. Those things in the Dress for Success workshop. We had etiquette workshops to walk through, you know, you go to a nice restaurant and you see all of these utensils laid out on the table which ones do you use for which part of your meal so we have an etiquette workshop one of the workshops that we instituted which is one that's it's it is so relevant now and we kind of instituted it before all of the george floyd kind of situations and we call it you and the law where we take members of the fraternity that work in law enforcement And we sit down with our young men and we talk about how to handle your encounter with law enforcement. We talk about the fact that it's going to happen and how you deal with it depends, you know, drives the outcome. And one of the officers that speak to young men on a regular basis, he says, your objective should always be when you have this interaction, you want to go home with the same number of holes that you left your house with. So if you have your ears pierced, those are the only holes you want to go home with. And so we we do that workshop a couple times a year. We have law enforcement uh, active participants. And we talk to young men about everything from when the light goes on in the police officer's car, what you do, when you pull over, where you pull over, turning your car off, turning your light on, putting your hand on the steering wheel, if they ask for your driver's license, you know, tell them what you're doing. I don't like that we have to do that, but it's the reality mm-hmm. of the environment that we live in. So we have that workshop on a regular basis, and it's actually going to be held again next Saturday. Uh, we're going to hold it outside, so it's going to be you know, socially distanced, and we actually have police car. We're going to have a car, and we're going to And so we do that type of workshop. So you see, we have kind of a a broad curriculum of activities, all focused on helping our young men grow. So as a program, we start meeting just before the school year starts. So it's generally the end of September, we start meeting, and then we meet all the way till the third week of June. So it's really almost year round. We have a couple months in there to Downtime for us, <laughs> as well as some downtime for, for the young men and their parents and guardians who get them to and from the activities.
0: You also have a little fun, don't you? Some gatherings and so on?
1: Oh, we have fun. We plan outings. You know, some of them are fun, but there's a message to them. We, we've utilized uh, Mott Community College again, like have said, very, very strong partnership with Mott. Uh, The current president is, she's just phenomenal. But they they have an area in their regional technology center where you can do team building activities. And so we've done team building activities. We also have cookouts on a regular basis and we've had them at my home, we've had them at the home of some of the other advisors. Uh, We've had sleepovers. So, you know, building bonds and relationships But we also do, uh, one of the uh, other things that I'm I'm excited, always excited about, is uh, we started what we call recognition Week Because we wanna celebrate our young men on a regular basis. And like I say, we we always celebrate athletes and their prowess on the field. We believe we also need to support our young men's academic performance. So we have a recognition night program that kind of culminates our school year our our school year and we have a big dinner. Prior to COVID, uh, we've had dinners with two, three hundred people in attendance. So you got parents and community leaders and we celebrate our young men. We celebrate their academic performance. Every young man that has a 3.0 or better gets an opportunity to come up on stage and, you know, put his hand in this, what we call the academic excellent box and get a gift. And there's gift cards in there, cologne, watches, all kinds of things. Once again, just to recognize their academic performance and think about it.
0: That's terrific stuff. Now, tell me, how much time do you put into this <laughs> on a week or monthly or yearly? I mean, it's probably not even able to total it.
1: You really can't because there's a the time you spend with the boys. But then there's the time you spend preparing for activities. There's a the time that we spend in raising funds. I can't quantify it. And, and I, I, I don't even try to quantify it because it is not about the time. It's about the results. And when you see the results, the time doesn't matter. And, and the results have just been absolutely phenomenal.
0: Talk to me about the results a little bit, Sam.
1: Oh, man. I to take the rest of your life talking about, uh, about the results. The success has been phenomenal. The number of young men that, that have graduated from high school and gone on to, to college, the last time we kind of ran the numbers, we were running right around 86 percent. The young men who finished our program have registered and gone on to college. Of that 86 percent, 79 percent graduate. And from there, we've had young men go on to get their master's and doctor's degrees. We do have a couple of doctors that have um, graduated, been a part of our program. We've had five Gates scholars come through our program. One story i like to share is that I just recently relocated to Dallas, Texas. Of course, when you relocate, you have to find doctors and dentists. I had a dentist at Flint, uh, fantastic gentleman by the name of uh, Rodney Feaster. He's a Flint native, uh, U of M graduate, played football at U of M, went on and got his uh, uh, degree in, in dentistry and had a practice in Flint. And he was my dentist right up until uh, he passed away from leukemia. His son was a part of our mentoring program. And when his father passed, his son was in the 11th grade. And we rallied around this young man to support him through his period of loss and grief. And he had made a commitment that he was gonna follow his father's footsteps. So he graduated, went to U of M, finished, uh, received his degree. And in June, he moved to the Dallas area and started practicing uh, in a, a practice here in the general vicinity. So after I moved here, I made it my business to find him and have him become my dentist uh, in this area. So he's about an hour away, but I made the hour commute to go to see Dr. Eric Feaster, who is now my dentist and who was a part of our mentoring program.
0: That's a great story. And his father was your dentist.
1: His father was my dentist. So I mean, the the significance for me, the significance for him was, um, it was powerful.
0: Obviously, this is a volunteer on your part, all this effort. You don't get paid in dollars, but you get paid, I must imagine, in immense satisfaction, relationships like that. Tell me about the rewards of basically, and this is a, you know, living a life like you've lived it.
1: It's, um, it's this is so fulfilling uh, when you're able to make a difference in somebody else's life. And when you have, my daughter is thirty-four, and she has commented to me so many times how proud she is that I have been able to make an impact in other people's lives. And so, coming from your daughter who had to sacrifice and share me through uh, with all these young men and the times that, that I'm out and gone, that's significant. That that's powerful. It means she understands the value. The relationships that have been established are, are lifelong. There's a young man, named same as Philip Blanks. He's just, uh, I could talk about him forever. Very tragic circumstance where he lost both of his parents uh, at the age between the age of four and five. So he's raised by his grandmother. And he happens to be my, my daughter's best friend and they were friends in high school. So she said, Do you need to get connected with my dad in this mentoring program? and he did and uh, we have been the best of friends ever since he came to my house when well, he comes every year for christmas and he came over one year and he asked me to be his best man in his wedding and i'm just kind of like i'm blown away of all the people all your friends you want me to be your best man in your wedding. there's the value there's the benefit for me
0: When did you start getting involved with other organizations? Was that right out of college or did it take time?
1: Actually not. In high school, I was involved in student government, um, senior class president, junior class senator, freshman representative. Uh, So I was involved in student activities at high school. At GMI, I was involved in a number of organizations what we call back then Gumty, which was the this, this student-run organization. We also started what was, uh, and it still is, called the Black Unity Congress, which was a student-run organization focused on developing a network for the African-American students that were on the, the, the campus at GMI at that point in time. So I was always involved in activities, you know, to organize student activities on campus.
0: Now, you shared with me, Sam, that your heart for service and specifically your heart for mentoring young men began with your family when you yourself were young.
1: It really with the family. Um, My parents were always involved in the communities wherever we lived. They were part of the block club, the neighborhood watches, and they were always involved with a goal of making a difference. They wanted wherever we were to be in a community that was safe and that was nurturing. And so they worked in the communities we lived in. And when I started uh, GMI, I was living in the dorms. That was a requirement. But one of the interesting things was on the weekends, You know, they had limited service available for the students. You see, so you had a number of students from out of state that on the weekends, they were kind of fending for themselves as related to you know, meals and things like that and so my parents said hey bring some of your friends home when you come home because i would go home on the weekends and and have meals and they were saying bring some of your friends we know that they're here their parents are in new jersey or wherever they they need a good home-cooked meal and so i saw my parents being involved in in, you know the, the block clubs and uh the pta which was the parent teachers associations back in the day my mother was always involved i saw their involvement making a difference Uh, for us, but also for others. And so it was kind of part of my DNA, if
0: you will. Well, Sam, I'm going to ask you to mentor me and my (laughs) listeners for a second. In this regard, in a way, it doesn't matter what you give back to, just so you give back. There's a lot of good hearted people out there, I'd like to think I'm one of them, who does what we can to serve on a board, to work at Habitat for Humanity, to give back. But it's such a challenge between work and family. Now, you're a guy that's had a family. How many kids do you have? Two. Two kids had to share you with all this stuff. As we talked about earlier, you've had a pretty good career with some pretty high-level responsibilities. What can you tell me? What can you tell other people not only about the importance but how to manage yourself what sacrifices have to be made what is the best way to manage your life so that you can give back at least at some close to the level that you've done
1: a friend of mine once said to me we all have three things to give we have our time we have our talent and we have our treasures and so you have to look at yourself, look at where you are, and then determine what can I give? If you can't give your time because it, you, you just have too much go, going on, then give of your treasure. And that means you can write a check to support an activity. Our program is a nonprofit. We do a lot of things, and it takes dollars to do that. And um, I'll share a story with you, because my college roommate, who is my best friend, he had a very, very fabulous career with, with Be a good Goodrich, and he retired just recently as a president of the Lightning and Breaking Division. He was always enamored with my involvement and in my give back and he said to me once, he says, I can't do what you do, but what I can do is write a check so you can continue doing what you do he has been our biggest contributor to this program and so if you don't have the time give up your treasures if you can't give you the treasures give up your talent find a way to use your talent if you're an accountant maybe you come in and teach a class on financial management use your talent to give back and that means find an area where you can plug in use your talent to help move an organization forward So always look at it. you got three things to do with time, talent, or treasure. We can all use one of them to make a difference.
0: What about managing all this? There must have been times when you were exasperated with the demands on you and between all these these responsibilities. You're right.
1: Um, But you always find when you want to do something, You do the things that you like to do, that you have passion about, and you make sacrifices in order to get there. Like I said, I have gazillions of stories, but here's one where, once again, we made sacrifices. When we first started our college trips, we were taking them into uh, various campuses, we would rent 15 passenger vans. And we were driving, so a group of the male advisors were driving. We would you know, rotate driving to get the young men to the campuses and then all weekend back and forth. One year, where we all set, we're headed to North Carolina a and which is in Greensboro. It's about a 12-13 you know, hour drive, and so we had a couple of vans. And all of a sudden, the other drivers that were going, they all get sick, and so two of us. Robert Matthews and myself loaded up those bands with the young men and we drove all night to get them to campus, got up, did all the campus activities all weekend and then drove back on probably eight to ten hours of sleep. But we knew the value and so we made the sacrifices. And that's the real issue. You understand the values and you make the sacrifices where you need to make them.
0: So bottom line, at some level, there's a choice you make in how you spend your time
1: and what you give to. And it's not an easy choice always. Exactly. It's, it's not an easy choice. But once again, when people find those things that they're passionate about, they'll figure out how to make it happen.
0: Well... Sam Wells, I am grateful that you would give us your time and share this story with us. Question, you've moved to Dallas now. Are you still able to be involved in Flint in some way? Are you working in Dallas in in some way?
1: The interesting thing is COVID has taught us that you can work from wherever you are. And that includes being involved in a community. So I'm actively involved in activities back and front, meetings that are, are, we're doing everything virtually now. So we still meet every Monday with the boys by Zoom meeting. Our workshops are on the weekends. They're by Zoom meetings. Uh, we just completed a really fantastic four-series workshop on financial management. And the workshop was conducted by a gentleman by the name of Antonio Brown. He's a CPA there in the city of Flint. And the interesting thing is, Antonio was an Esquire when he was in high school. He's gone on, got his degree. He's a CPA, and he came back and conducted a um, four-week workshop for the young men on financial uh, management. So, still involved. And, and I'm involved from here, but I will be back in Flint for various activities. I've moved, but I didn't disconnect.
0: Well, you're right. We've all learned how to do that. And I guess distance means less these days. Yes. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time. It's inspiring. I think a lot of people only aspire to have the impact you've had with hundreds of kids who are in college and leading lives they wouldn't have led without you. So thank you for your time and thank you for sharing with us.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Join us again to hear Kettering University's podcast, Horsepower to Hyperloops, available from wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.